Wisely. Morning, church. I never I like standing too close to Wisely when we're up here because I just feel tinier than I am. But um, first up, Merry Christmas. Uh, I hope it's been a wonderful morning for you. And it uh, will be a lovely day to come full of gammon and mince pies and other beautiful things. Glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Uh, we're so thankful for those amazing things in this Christmas season. And uh, in this Christmas season, in the lead up, my eldest daughter, she's sitting up here in a little jumper looking so cute. She's uh, just three and a half now and getting to that age where she's just starting to sort of understand Christmas and understand birthdays and things like that. And so we've been trying to help her understand what Christmas is actually about. And so we've been engaging her in a few conversations. And, um, but I think we're sort of confusing her a little bit because in the midst of trying to do all this in December, we also have a lot of uh, friends and family who have a lot of birthdays in December. And so she's sort of getting things mixed up. And so when it is a person's birthday, what we try to do as a family is we try to uh, send them a voice note and sing together happy birthday and send them a, a few wishes and whatever. And so when we're explaining what Christmas is about to our Hannah, uh, we said, um, uh, you know, for a three-year-old, let's say maybe it's sort of like Jesus' birthday. And so she says, um, should we send him a voice note? <laughs> it was super cute. And uh, I think that that's just glorious. And if we could, we absolutely would. But uh, while we haven't been sending any voice notes, we have certainly been singing. We, we love music as a family, and our kids are, are very musical already. We can see it in them. Um, maybe one of the only good things I've passed on to them. But uh, they, love, they love music. So we've been s listening to Christmas carols, and you know how it rolls around every year, sort of November. T way too early, you start getting assaulted with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You in the Shops. And, um, you know, we, it takes a while to maybe get into the Christmas spirit. Um, but I know for my own time, my own heart, that I'm sort of getting into the spirit when that song becomes less annoying. And that sort of happened in the last sort of two weeks or so for me. But one of the things we've been doing together as a family is listen to Christmas music. And um, for sure, our, or at least my favorite songs are the just standard uh, carols. I love Christmas carols. They're a bit like hymns, and they've just got beautiful theology. Uh, they, they talk about Jesus and how he has come to be our Emmanuel. That's, that's a word meaning God with us, like God has taken on skin and bones and flesh to come make his way into enemy-infested territory and bring us home. It's just a beautiful message of what he's come to do as our Emmanuel, to be with us. I love how they speak about the hope we have in him. I love how the carols speak about uh, his mission. Uh, and even some of the songs we're singing uh, just now, you, you can see sort of some carols bring in elements of Easter. And they talk about uh, the purpose for which Jesus came, to ransom and redeem us, to forgive us, to bring us home. He was on a mission. This is Mission Christmas. And perhaps one of my favorite carols is the carol, O Holy Night. And uh, just as I sort of give context into what I want to speak about this morning, uh, there's a line in O Holy Night that just really stuck out to me uh, as I was preparing and praying. And it's the line in O Holy Night that says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. That's such a beautiful reminder for us this morning that, as things are still confusing in the world and as we just 
perhaps carry this sort of pining for something more in our hearts, that the appearance of Jesus in the good news of Christmas is that he has come. And we can feel the worth in our hearts because we were ultimately, ultimately made for him. And he came for us. But it gets even better because the next line of that song says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Now, I don't know about you, but perhaps this is a year where you're feeling a bit weary. Maybe you haven't gone on holiday or you, you certainly need a bit more, a few more weeks of holiday. But the weariness of the world is certainly on us at various times. And I think we could all use a bit of hope. And the good news of Christmas is that God has come to bring hope and healing into our hearts in the incarnation of his son, Jesus Christ. And it's changed history forever. This is so much more than obviously just the excitement of one day. It's God coming himself to initiate a relationship with us forever. And we get to rejoice in that again. He has come to bring us home. And this is something that's true long after the celebrations of today are done. If you are his, this is something that is just so beautiful for you forever. He has come to bring you home. And so it's, while it's easy for us perhaps to get into the Christmas spirit, and that's a great thing. I love the fun and excitement of this time. And everyone just seems to be very optimistic and extra loving and kind. Um, this day will end pretty quickly. And we'll soon hit the post-Christmas slump when we realize, oh, wait, maybe my heart's longing for even more than just one day. The good news of Christmas is we have more in Jesus. There's a huge difference between hype and hope. And he's come to give us hope in his name. So this morning, I really want us to hear just simply this, that even on your worst days, Christmas is still true for you. And uh, there's another line in a song that we just sang earlier, Come All Ye Faithful, another one of my favorites. The, the opening line says, Come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. What a beautiful line. And maybe that is what you're feeling today. But I think what we're going to see in Luke chapter 2 as we read that together just now is that Jesus seems to come most for those who are feeling the opposite of those things. And there is an invitation for us in that. Come, all ye faithless, joyless, and defeated. Come to Bethlehem and receive joy abundantly in him. Come, all ye faithless, joyless, and defeated. That's the invitation for us this morning. So we're going to read this when your life uh, maybe isn't Instagrammable <laughs> or all that it's cracked up to be. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus has come for you. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. Um, it'll be on the screen as well, from verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the, the known world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, 
and wrapped them in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Well, it's just a, a beautiful story. I love this passage about just the God's revealing himself over time and the journey of the different characters as God had come into the world. And we're just going to spend some time this morning unpacking this. Uh, I might say that the first Christmas miracle this morning is this, this will be a much shorter sermon that we generally preach here. So Praise be to God for that for you. And now my gift for you, to you this Christmas, look at four things. And the first aspect of the story I want us to look at is just that this is an extremely surprising arrival. And I think it's surprising in two ways. Firstly, that it really happened. And we may not have written the script like this, but we really believe that all of the hope we have in Jesus is centered on the fact that this really happened like the scriptures say it does. And Luke is at pains to help us really believe this. Uh, Luke, just for a bit of context, uh, the book of Luke was written by a guy um, called Luke. And he was a historian. And he was commissioned by a guy called Theophilus, who told Luke to go and do research into who Jesus was and uh, his kind of mission and what he actually did and the things he said. And so Luke spent lots of time reading uh, the best material he could find on what had already been written. He interviewed eyewitnesses. He spoke to some of the apostles and disciples. He did his homework and then wrote the Gospel of Luke. He also wrote the Gospel of Acts about the early church. And so he's a historian. And um, he really includes several things in here to help us sort of uh, grab onto the fact this isn't just a fable or a myth or a nice story. This is history. He says... In verse 10, for unto you is born this day in the city of David um, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so he includes there, right there, that there was a day, a literal day in history this happened. For, for unto you this day, he doesn't include the, the actual date. We don't really know what, when Jesus was born, but people think it's probably either right now or, or March sometime. We celebrate it today. 
uh, as a sign of us just remembering this glorious news of the incarnation, but there was a literal day that this happened. And there was a geographical location in the city of David. He would have written this, of course, where people who read his gospel could have uh, disputed this if it was untrue. And so we, we get the good news of reading it 2,000 years later in its uh, original um, intent. He includes other clues in this story. He talks about the shepherds. He talks about Mary and Joseph, the innkeeper. Uh, we even get to read of the wise men. Uh, we talk about other people in the city of David. There was a census that took place. That's something that um, non-religious historians have looked at and agree happened. And we have records of all those things. And so Luke is sort of at pains, firstly, to help us understand that this really did happen. In a way, we may not have um, done ourselves, in a way we may not have anticipated, but it really did happen. God came in the flesh. There's an even more important truth here that I think God is wanting to help us see, that what makes this arrival of Jesus so surprising it's not just that he came, but it's the manner in which he came. You see, if we, if God came to any one of us and said, hey, I'm coming to town, make arrangements, we might call in the A-list celebrities, get a kick-ass entourage uh, together. We're going to call up the big shots of Twitter and guys with the most followers on Instagram, get them to spread the news and build anticipation. We're going to book out a stadium that he'd reveal himself there first. We want the biggest, best ways of doing stuff. And the surprising arrival of Jesus is that it's just not a big deal in those ways. He comes humbly. He comes in many ways quietly. He gets born into a poor family. He gets born in a stable. It's put in a manger where other animals would have stayed in. There's just nothing impressive about this moment. There's nothing notable about it. It's very unassuming. It's not the famous way of doing things. He came humbly and lowly. And this is so important for us because here's why he did it like that. He doesn't come for the famous, so he doesn't come in famous ways. He doesn't come for those who are impressive, so he doesn't come in impressive ways. The, the way he came tells us why he came. He came lowly, for the lowly. And so there's no one who gets left out of this glorious news. He's come for the faithless, joyless, and defeated. This is just a point that grows more and more as we look at this text. The second thing that happens in this story is that the angels appear to the shepherds. And we see that they give uh, them a comforting assurance. And you can just sort of imagine if you were one of the shepherds, you'd done this thousands of nights before this one. You're settling down for the night. You've uh, probably smoked a pipe or whatever it is shepherds do. I don't know. Playing some cards. I don't know. But they've done their night routine, and they're sitting around waiting. Out of nowhere, angels appear. And of course, they're afraid. They're frightened, as anyone of us would be. And so the angels have to reassure them and say, Whoa, don't be afraid. I'm bringing good news. What makes this news so good? 
tells us, because it's good news of great joy. This is not bad news of great fear. See, their natural inclination was to be afraid. If God or by his angels showed up to you or to me, we might react the same, assuming that this is uh, a time for punishment. God is appearing to us to sort us out, to put us in our place, to set us right on track. We naturally assume in our hearts that this is a, a bad thing. God has come to give us a sense of judgment or to pay us back or, or whatever it is. But the angels reassure them, no, 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 no. This is, this is good news. Don't be afraid. Of great joy. Do not fear. It's just not the news we should have anticipated. This is a comforting reassurance. It's the news about how God has come down to be near to each one of us. And so the shepherd's fear shows our fear. Our, just our natural inclination is to doubt that God's greatest desire is to be near to us in love. God's greatest desire is to be near to you in love. And so when he shows up, fear not. This is good news. I've come to be near to you. This is news that leads to great joy. I think this is just the best news for us, a weary world. When many of us may be feeling, feeling fearful, maybe you're feeling fatigued or just downright fed up. The good news of Christmas is that he's come near to give great joy. And so if, in, if you are in any way feeling faithless, joyless, or defeated, the good news is that God has not come to double down on any of those things and to increase the sufferings of life. He's come to turn mourning into dancing. He's come to turn those things around. And so the good news, they say here, is of great joy. This is a joyful message for each one of us. It's a joyful message of hope. That God has come not to bring fear, not to bring anything like that, but to bring joy. He wants joy for you. And so how does that joy come? What's that joy based on? Where is our hope? That's what they tell him next. Third thing is that this news is a hopeful announcement. Verse 10 says this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David... A Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is brilliant. The good news of great joy isn't a philosophical concept. It's not a self-help tip. It's not a, a reprimand. Get your act together. It's not anything other than that. The good news is a person by the name of Jesus who has come to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. The good news that he has come to us. And so it says, unto you has been born. For you, each one of you. Insert your name there this morning. For you has been born. That's what we're celebrating each and every Christmas, that Jesus has come for you. Maybe Christmas has become uh, more of a, 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 cultural, um, a, a cultural thing, just something we do every year, a season. Maybe it's not as personal in that, you haven't considered, perhaps, that Jesus has come for you. Just want you to pause for a second and, and consider that. For unto you, a child is born this day. Maybe today is your day to just say, thank you, God, 
I actually received that message. I received that gift for me this Christmas. It says he's a savior who is Christ the Lord. He's a savior. He's come for a purpose. He's come to deal with our sin and forgive us. It's to save us. He's Christ. That's another word for Messiah. So in other words, God had promised his people early on, even from the third chapter of the whole Bible in Genesis chapter 3, that one would come who would deal with Satan, who would deal with sin, who would deal with death, who would deal with all the suffering of life, who would make things right. And again and again and again, throughout the story of redemption, God is pointing to one who would come, the Messiah, the Christ. This is him. He has come to do this for us. And he's Christ the Lord. He's Lord of all. He's God. And if you're a believer, he is Lord of your life. This is why he's come. He's come to restore and to deal with our sin and to forgive and to redeem and to heal us. And so the best news we could ever receive, the best gift we could ever be given, the best uh, comfort to a weary world is that we don't have to uh, lose hope and say, look what the world is coming to. We can rejoice and say, look what has come into the world. We don't have to say, look what my life is coming to. We can rejoice and say, look what has come into my life. The birth of Jesus changes everything. It's a story, the Christmas story that we celebrate every year. It's a reminder of God's loving intervention. He foresaw and could see that things were not going well. So he didn't press, you know, control, out, delete, and start again. He didn't destroy or do anything like that. He entered into the pain to change it. He entered in to the defeat and to the joylessness and the faithlessness. He, he entered in to change. He says, this is not right. I'm stepping in to heal, to restore, to give hope, to heal. And so Isaiah uh, chapter 9 verse 2 tells another beautiful prophecy of what Jesus would do. And it says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. What a beautiful verse. If you this morning are in any way resonating with those words, come all ye faithless, joyless, and triumphant. That's a pretty dark place to be. And if you're not, you know someone who is. And the good news of Christmas is that a light has dawned on those living in darkness. And I love how it says there that people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Have you seen the great light? Have you taken a time to just pause and look? This morning is just a chance for us. And why we celebrate Christmas every year again, it's a, it's a, it's a chance for us. And why we do Advent, it's a chance for us every year to stop, to pause, and to look. And to stare at Jesus in the manger until we see him afresh. Thank you, God, for opening our eyes to see who you are and what you've come to do. This is a hope-filled announcement that gives hope. We know who our life depends on. We're putting all our eggs in the basket of that manger. If you need more evidence that Christmas really is most for the faithless, joyless, and defeated, 
this is the last thing I'm going to say this morning. And I believe it's the main point of this text. Uh, number four, this is a gracious acceptance. Again, in verse 10, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The, the amazing thing about the Christmas story in this text that we're seeing here is who God chose to send the angels to. He could have chosen anyone. We've spoken about this. He could have cho chosen to send the angels to the guys with the biggest uh, Twitter follow account, the guys who are the most famous, to the palaces where the kings are, to the most famous rulers. He could have sent the angels to anyone. And he sends them to a bunch of unknown, despised shepherds. You see, we have to get this. And uh, we have to understand who shepherds were. Some historical context here. Shepherds at that time were the lowest, um, were on the lowest social ladder, lowest social order of that context. They were outcasts socially because they were obviously out in their fields the whole time. They were lonely. They had no friends. They did everything alone. They were poor. They were rejected by society. They were not trusted because they kept going onto everyone else's property and stealing their resources of food and water, and so they were mistrusted. They were not seen as upright members of society, so even their testimonies didn't hold up in a court of law. They were considered religious slackers because they never went to temple. They were always out in the fields. They were only just a little bit above lepers, maybe. Shepherds were not impressive people in any way. And here's what God wants us to get. The incarnation of Jesus, Christmas, is the good news that there is no one that gets left out. He's come for those that the world has rejected. He's come for those who feel unworthy. He's come for those who would not include themselves in the list of those who get the good news of Jesus. It's a reminder that the good news of great joy is really for all people. No one gets left, left out. No one is out of reach for Christ. And so perhaps as we just close this morning, as we uh, end the service uh, in a few moments, I just want to call us to reflect on this a bit. Like, do we recognize how amazing it is that Jesus came for you? Even me, even you, just like the shepherds, there, there, is, there needs to be some sort of amazing humility in this, that why would I be included in this? Why would God come for me? I wouldn't come for me. Yet in the grace of God, he has done just that. He's come for each one of us. He didn't write us off. He came down to be with us. And so you see, in the midst of this joylessness, in the midst of this faithlessness, in the midst of this defeatedness, look what God does when he comes near. And I, I want us to look at uh, two verses. Firstly, see what happens with the angels and what it shows us about what's on offer to those who receive Jesus and enter into relationship with him. Verse 13 and 14, with the angels it says, and suddenly there was an angel uh, with the angels, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God 
and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is well pleased. So there's worship and there's joy. And see what the shepherds get invited into and joined into. This is just after that they have been to see Jesus. See what, says, what it says in verse 20. And the shepherds returned from seeing Jesus, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. See how God turns the story around and injects joy into the heart of those who need it most. That's what God is doing for us as we consider the good news of Christmas. Jesus has come for you. I started um, today talking about Christmas carols, so I'm going to end with this. And this is uh, my prayer for myself and for each one of us. Uh, one of my favorite Christmas carols as well is Joy to the World. And it says this, the first uh, four lines, it says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. That's the, the invitation to us this morning, that we would receive and prepare room. He has come down. Would we uh, invite him 